You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number 13, beginning in verse number 10. The Bible says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Verse 15, The Lord then answered him, and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall, and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I wanted to say, I was waiting to see if Brother Chris was coming in. He may be on security tonight, but uh, all of our bus workers, I want to say thank you for a job. Hey, he's in the sound booth. Well, we've called in reinforcements. Well, Thomas, I didn't want to tell you, but we've been nervous about, you know, you messing with all those dials and buttons and all that. So, Brother Chris up here and uh, bus workers, I know not everyone is, is, is in the service tonight, but if you, I know some are in the nursery, but if you are a bus worker, uh, driver, Miss um, Cheryl, I know you and some ladies were putting together some bags for the uh, school supplies, but would you stand tonight? I'd like for everybody to get to see you and uh, see where you are. Isn't that a great army of workers? And that's a lot of, a lot of labor and a lot of love. Uh, so this morning, Brother Chris, or this afternoon, Brother Chris sent me a message, but he said that we had 61 bus riders this morning and um, 19 that trusted Christ as Savior. Isn't that a blessing? And, of course, if you were in the 11 o'clock service, you got to see all those bus riders lined up here. And uh, what an amazing sight. You know, uh, we don't see those bus riders on Sundays because they're in the other building. But those bus riders are as important to God as you and me. Every person is, a, is valuable to God. He's no respecter of persons. And I thank God for all those boys and girls that have been saved and that have been taught and uh, have the opportunity to come to church. Some of them wouldn't be able to come if there were not buses running to go and pick them up. And so thank you. Let's give these bus workers a big hand and let's uh, thank them tonight. God bless you. Thank you so much. Miss Angie, um, I was teasing when I said, you know, let's see who are the, the, the young people and who are the workers. But I think you were right down here and I don't even know if I saw you. I saw you on the picture later. And uh, you just blend right in with all those teenagers, right? But uh, thank you, bus workers. And if I missed you this morning, I tried to point out the ones that were up here, but if I missed you, I apologize for that, but we're thankful for you. Luke chapter 13 is a, a miracle of Jesus that, I'll be honest with you, I, I've not preached it before, and I don't know that I've ever heard a message preached from this passage. I'm sure I have. I can't uh, tell you about a specific one. 
But as I was uh, studying this past week, God really spoke to me because of the, the problem that this woman had. Not only did she have a problem, but the Bible says she had this problem for how many years? You remember what it said? 18 years. How many of you are 18 years old? We got some, got some folks that are 18 years. I'm not saying you've been a problem for 18 years. And I'm not saying you're the problem to your parents. Brother Henry, are you pointing at Cameron as she's 18 and she's a problem? Wow, well, see, I could see her parents saying that, but when it's grandpa. Uh, but 18 years is a long time. And to have an infirmity, the Bible says an infirmity is a disease, a sickness, it's a, a weakness, it's a frailty. And to have that problem for 18 years, I cannot imagine what that must have been like for this woman. Now keep in mind, there are sicknesses today that doctors cannot heal and medicine cannot fix. But for the most part, many, many cases, many situations, we can get some help, we can get some relief. There is a, a surgery or there is a medication or there is something you can do. But for this woman, there was nothing. You say, how do you know there was nothing? Because had there been something, she would have done it. This was not the sniffles. This was not a cold. This was not a headache. But the Bible says that this woman, in verse number 11, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together. Literally, she was bent over. She could not even stand up straight because of the intense pain. And she could in no wise lift up herself, meaning she did not even have strength to raise herself up if she wanted to. That was her condition. And we see that this woman had a problem. But aren't you glad that Jesus came by? Aren't you glad that Jesus saw her? Aren't you glad that Jesus called out to her? And I'm thankful tonight for the day that Jesus saw me. I'm thankful for the day that Jesus came to me. I'm thankful for the day that Jesus called me. I'm glad that he knew my name. I'm glad he still knows my name. I'm glad he has the power to heal. And tonight I want to share with you for a few moments the subject of this woman who the Bible says had a spirit of infirmity. Now, yes, she had an infirmity. She had a disease. She had a sickness, and it was real, and it was physical. Because the Bible says that her body was bent over. She couldn't even lift herself up. But the Bible describes this not just as an infirmity, but it describes it as the spirit of infirmity. And I believe tonight, I believe that that old devil is trying to hurt a lot of people, not just with sickness, not just with disease, but I think that devil is trying to hurt a lot of people with a spirit of infirmity. You know what your spirit is? It's your prevailing attitude. It's how you feel. It's what you think in your heart and in your mind. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible says that this woman was bound by Satan, verse 16, for 18 years. And maybe you're here tonight and you've been saved, you've been born again, but old Satan's got some binds. He's got some ropes. He's got some chains that are holding you down and holding you back. 
it would be my prayer that tonight you would be loosed like this woman, that you would be set free from the spirit of infirmity. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us in these few moments. Help us not to miss these truths from your word. We thank you for this story. We thank you for this example of what you can do to a person not only physically, but a person who is emotionally, a person who is mentally hurt, a person who for 18 years had no hope until Jesus stepped in. And I pray tonight that you'd help us to take this truth and may we believe it, may we seize it, may we apply it, may we live it, and may we take advantage of it tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, I want you to notice in this passage, verse number 10. I actually, I sent the scripture reading to Brother Dan yesterday, and I had to send him a correction because I started in verse number 11 in the scripture reading, but I told Brother Dan, I said, we got to add verse 10. Verse 10, it says, and he, that is Jesus, was what? Teaching. Well, we saw that this morning. Jesus Christ is the master teacher, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Number one, if you're taking notes, and you say, Pastor, I don't take notes, so why do you give us points? I give you points to try to help me stay on point, okay? So number one, to help me, I see there is the synagogue. We don't use that word today, the word synagogue, but a synagogue was an assembly. The dictionary definition, it was an assembly of persons. Persons that would meet for prayer, meet for the reading and exposition of the scriptures. It was a gathering for religious purposes. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like what we're doing tonight, right? It sounds like the church where we've assembled. It's a group of people and we've gathered and we've had some prayer times. Uh, we've got the Bible open. We're trying to search and study the scriptures and we're meeting for religious purposes. Verse number 10 tells us that Jesus was present in the synagogue. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. Now, I'll tell you, there's many reasons why I want to be in church, but one reason is I don't want to miss what Jesus has for me. I don't want to miss what the Holy Spirit of God has for me on a given service. I don't want to miss because that may be the service that God was working, God was speaking, that God was moving, and I don't want to miss it. I see the synagogue. Oh, how important it is for us to get back to a place of church and a place of prayer and a place of Bible reading and a place of Bible study. How important it is for us to get back to the place where God is. There's a synagogue. But then I want you to notice in verse 11, and I'm sorry, I do not drink water when I'm preaching, but I've had some trouble with my voice today. So when I take a drink of water, just say amen or something just to fill in the dead space. Amen. And I think I'm going to drink water a lot more in the pulpit for that. But I want you to notice not only that Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, but this woman was in the synagogue. Now keep in mind, she is sick. If you would have seen her, I think you would have seen something like this. If you would have seen this woman that day, I think you would have seen someone that was struggling to move, someone that was struggling to walk, someone that was struggling just to get from place to place, and I'm sure there were some people that day that thought, what's she doing here? Man, if I stub my toe, I don't come. Man, if I've got a little bit of, if I'm worn out or if I'm, if I'm having a bad day, I don't come. And this woman is crippled. This woman is hunched over. This woman is in pain. And yet she has come to church. Now, friend, if you have a sickness that is contagious, we love you. 
but we don't want what you have. But can I tell you, there's a lot of times I think we probably could come. I think there's a lot of times that we probably should come. And this woman, I think, is a great example. If you had an infirmity like this for 18 years and you still came to church, I think that'd be a good testimony to the rest of the crowd. She was sick. She must have been discouraged. It could not have been a good day. But she said, I'm going to the synagogue. (laughs) Don't you think she was glad? Because that was the day that Jesus showed up. I have no doubt she'd been there many times. I have no doubt that she'd been there many Sabbaths. But this was going to be a different Sabbath. This was going to be a different service. This was going to be a different teacher. This was going to be a different message. Because this was the day that the Son of God showed up and stepped into her life and changed her forever. Friend, Jesus Christ can do that today. Jesus Christ can do that for you. And I don't want to miss what Jesus has. Number one, I see the synagogue. Number two, I see that she was steadfast. We've already talked about it, but she's still going to the temple. You say, why was she going to the temple? Why was she going to a synagogue? Well, for prayer, for Bible reading, for Bible exposition, uh, for sacrifices, Uh, for offerings, for worship of God. She was going, not for herself. She was going because she wanted to worship God. And friend, I'm thankful we get a lot out of church. I, I shouldn't say we. I do. I hope you get something out of it. I hope it's a blessing to you. I'll tell you one thing, you walk into a a church here and and God is so good to us. We've got instrumentalists, we've got choirs, we've got song leaders, we've got teachers and preachers and instrumentalists and we've got sound ministry and and, and radio and, and, and internet and all these ministries, bus ministry, teen ministry, kids ministries. There's something for everybody. But even if there were not, even if tomorrow we said, sorry, we gotta shut down all the ministries, All we're doing is we're all just getting together in the auditorium and we're having church. Even if that were the case, I still think we ought to come. I still think we ought to show up. And how many of you say, praise God that we don't have to do that? Praise God that we've got the nurseries. Praise God that we've got pastor's pals. Praise God we got a place for uh, Micah Joseph to go when he's uh, uh, not able to sit still very long. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I see she was steadfast. Aren't you glad I didn't name any of your children? I named my own. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I see, number one, the synagogue. Number two, she was steadfast. Number three, I see her spirit. Now, her spirit must have still been a spirit of of worship and a spirit of confidence that God was going to take care of her. But the Bible describes her spirit here as a spirit of infirmity. Now, I don't know what kind of a spirit you have tonight. I hope you've got a good one. I hope you came with a good spirit. I hope you didn't come with a critical spirit. I've known some people go to church and all they're doing is they're trying to pick out the, the flaws and the failures and all the mistakes and everybody else. And I'm thinking, wow, you got a lot of time on your hands. I don't know how you have that much time because I've got a lot to do just trying to keep my own backyard clean. I've got enough to do just between me and God. I really don't have time to analyze everybody and I wonder what they were thinking and I wonder why they said that and I wonder why they didn't say that and I wonder why they looked at me like that. Friend, if that's why you come to church, take a chill pill. 
Relax. That's not the spirit you want at church because you're missing out a lot of blessings if you come looking to criticize. But the Bible says that she had a spirit of infirmity. This sickness it had not only affected her body, but it had affected her spirit. The book of Proverbs talks about a faithful spirit. That's kind of faithful, the kind of spirit I want. I want a faithful spirit. Proverbs talks about having a broken spirit. Now, it's not bad to be broken. It's, it's bad to stay broken. But when your spirit is broken, that's the time to get close to God. That's the time to draw nigh to God. Amen. Proverbs talks about a haughty spirit. That's, that's a proud, that's an arrogant spirit. That's a spirit that you think you're better than everybody else. And you think you know more than anybody else. And friend, uh, that's not the kind of spirit I want to have. And if you've been coming to this church for any length of time, I hope you understand that's not the spirit I have. I mean, I'd be in the wrong profession if that's the spirit I had. Bible talks about an excellent spirit. As a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, not in Proverbs, but in the book of Daniel, the Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. He was in Babylon. He was a captive. He was away from his family. He was away from everything he knew, but yet he had an excellent spirit. Boy, I hope we've got a church with some folks that even when things go bad, even when things go wrong, we can still step back and say, God is good. He's in control. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to serve him. No matter what the outcome, no matter what the results, I'm going to stay faithful to him. That's an excellent spirit. The Bible talks about in Proverbs, a wounded spirit. Maybe you're here tonight and that's your spirit. You've been hurt. By the way, we've all been hurt. Brother Dan, you've mentioned it in Sunday school the last two weeks. In review, you mentioned again today how that somewhere along the line, somebody started that little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And Brother Dan mentioned that. He said, who in the world came up with that? They obviously didn't know anything. Because words do hurt. It does hurt when somebody attacks you. It does hurt when somebody accuses you falsely. It does hurt when someone is critical. It does hurt. And maybe you're here tonight and maybe that's happened to you. Well, can I tell you, you've got a few possibilities. You've got a few options. You can stay hurt. You can get bitter. You get mad. You can blame God. You can blame the church. And you can blame Christianity. And you can blame your family and your friends and everybody else. Or you can say, you know, I've been hurt by somebody but I'm thankful I know somebody who's never let me down. I'm thankful there's a God in heaven who will never leave me and never forsake me. And you're going to have to decide if you're going to stay wounded or if you're going to let God heal you and God help you and God strengthen you. Proverbs talks about a humble spirit. I hope we all have a humble spirit that we will, are willing to listen to God and listen to his word. Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, what does it mean to be poor? <laughs> It means you got some needs. It means you, you, got some, you got some problems. It's like you need somebody to help you out. Well, someone who is poor in spirit says, God, I'm over here and I need some help. God, I'm over here and I can't make it without you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The Bible says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. God's going to take care of the person who is poor in spirit. But what about the person who thinks they don't need God? What about an attitude that says, I don't need God. I've got a good job. I've got it all together. I've got everything set. I've got my plans made. I've got my life in front of me. And I don't need God. Friend, you better watch out. That's not the spirit you want to have. The Bible says in Ephesians that we need to have a spirit of wisdom. Boy, that's so important. That ought to be a prayer we pray every day. Lord, give me wisdom. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given unto him. 2 Timothy 4, 7, the Bible says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, hallelujah, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This woman had a spirit that was affected. It was a spirit that was affected because of her health. She had a spirit of infirmity. Friend, if you're here tonight and maybe you're battling a sickness or you're battling a health issue or you're battling maybe a financial issue or you're battling some other problem, maybe whatever it may be, do your best and ask God to help you to guard your spirit. Yes, your body may be sick, but don't let your spirit get sick. Yes, your body may be hurting, but don't let your spirit be hurting. Ask God to help you to have that excellent spirit. Number four, quickly, I see the sickness. We've already talked about her sickness, but it was real. It was legitimate. This was not a fake. This was not in her mind. This was a, a real, uh, alive sickness that she had lived with for 18 years. Number five, I see the solution. The Bible says in verse number 12, And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from this infirmity. That word loosed, it means to be fully free. It means to be released. It means to be let go. Like if you had an animal that was tied down or you had an animal that was, uh, was chained and you took off that chain and that animal took off, that animal would be loosed. That animal would be free. Jesus said, we're not talking here about an animal. We're talking about a woman that for 18 years was bound. The solution was that Jesus stepped in. The solution was that Jesus saw her. The solution was that Jesus called her and she came to him. Maybe tonight, maybe you've got a problem and Jesus is calling to you. Maybe he's speaking to you tonight. You've got a choice. Are you going to come to him or are you going to reject him? Are you going to say yes or are you going to say no? Are you going to yield yourself? Or are you going to harden your heart? When Jesus says, come, friend, I want to tell you, get to Jesus. I'll throw your burden at the feet of the cross and, and come to Jesus and let him fix your problem. Jesus said, woman, thou art loosed. You're set free from thine infirmity. You see, if she could have fixed her own problem, she would have done it a long time ago. But this was a problem that was too big for her. Only Jesus could heal this woman's spirit of infirmity. And maybe tonight, maybe you have an infirmity. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's a weakness. Maybe you have a spirit of infirmity. Maybe tonight uh, your, your, your infirmity, your problem has affected your spirit. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ can set you free. But let me also say, you can't set yourself free. And you know how I know? Because I've tried. And if you're honest, so have you. And, and you try, and usually it doesn't work. It just gets worse, right? We make, th make a bigger mess of things. This woman couldn't heal herself. This woman couldn't fix her own problem. Only Jesus could. And I'm glad he did. Number six, I see salvation. The Bible says he laid his hands on her. Hallelujah for the touch of God. And I think this story, I think this is a picture of salvation, but I also think it's a picture of the victorious Christian life. 
You may be here and you've been saved, but you've been bound by Satan. You've been bound by the chains of pride. You've been bound by the chains of bitterness. You've been bound by the chains of jealousy. You've been bound by the chains of lust. You've been bound by the chains of a critical spirit. Maybe you've been bound by the chains of alcohol. Maybe you've been bound by the chains of drugs. Maybe you've been bound because of a family member or a relative, whoever it may be. You have been bound. And friend, I want to tell you tonight, you don't have to live your life in the chains of those things because Jesus Christ can set you free. Amen. Jesus Christ can set you at liberty. This woman was free. Jesus laid his hands on her and oh, how we need the touch of God. My brother Joel, years ago, I was getting ready to preach somewhere and I was when we were traveling with the, the singing groups and my brother Joel sent me a quote. He said, uh, uh, he said, so many people, he said, they, they, they preach with talent and they preach with all these other things. But he said, we need to preach with the touch of God. And then he'd send me from time to time that text. He'd say, preach with the touch, meaning preach with the power of God. And friend, we not only need to preach with the power of God, we need to live with the power of God. When you go to the workplace tomorrow, you need to go not in your own strength, but you need to go with the power of God. Students, when you start school tomorrow or next week or the following week, you need to go to school with the power of God. Teachers, you need the power of God. Parents, you need the power of God. Church members, we need the power of God. May God help us. May we experience the touch of God. The Bible says, and immediately she was made straight. She wasn't hunched over anymore. She wasn't crippled over anymore. But immediately she stood up straight, and notice what it says, and glorified God. And that's exactly what every one of us should do when God does a miracle in our lives. That's exactly what we ought to do every time God gives us a victory. We ought to stop and say, before I go on, before I practice my new walk, before I go to the new place, before I go to the next thing, I need to stop and I need to give God glory for what he has done. There was salvation. This woman was set free. She had been bound by Satan. For 18 years. The Bible says then, verse number 11, it was a spirit of infirmity. But then in verse number um, 15, the Lord answered him. This is the, the ruler of the synagogue who was upset. I'll get to that in a moment. He was upset because uh, he didn't get the credit. He didn't get the recognition. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite! Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? He said, you're upset because I healed this woman on the Sabbath? She had been sick for 18 years and you're upset about it? He said, you would let your animal loose on the Sabbath. How much more so this woman ought to be set free from her infirmity. But then it says in verse 16, and ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Can I tell you, don't let Satan bind you anymore. If you've been saved, you've been set free, don't go back and put yourself in those handcuffs again. Don't put yourself in those chains again. Uh, don't put yourself under the bondage of sin again. It reminds me of the Israelites. They were free from Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're on their way to the promised land. And they kept saying, oh, I wish we could go back. Oh, so good back in Egypt. Oh, I'm telling you, remember that good food back in Egypt? Oh, I remember how good it was. 
Friend, I don't know if it was the desert that was getting to them. I don't know if they're losing their minds or what. But that's crazy. And it's crazy for God's people that have been set free from the world to ever want to go back to the things of this world. You have been set free. Number seven, I see the surprise. The surprise in this story is not that this woman was healed because we know that Jesus can do that. But here's the surprise. The surprise is that somebody was ticked off. Now you think about that. This woman had been sick for 18 years. With something the doctors couldn't fix, it had affected her body, it had affected her mind, it had affected everything about her, her countenance. And she gets gloriously healed and gloriously saved. And somebody standing off on the side saying, well, that wasn't the way it was supposed to be done. I can't believe the audacity of this teacher. To He went ahead and healed her on the Sabbath. Can you imagine? By the way, Jesus in this passage, he justifies the fact that he was well within his rights. And by the way, Jesus is Lord of Sabbath. He can do whatever he wants to on the Sabbath or any other day. And by the way, he can do whatever he wants in your life. He can do whatever he wants in my life. He is God. He is king. He is sovereign. But Jesus was well within his rights. He said, you could by law, legally, you could lose your animal." On the Sabbath day, how much more so ought this woman to be set free? But here's the surprise. This was not a visitor. This was not a newcomer. This was a ruler. This was somebody in the synagogue who was in a position of authority. And if anybody ought to known better, it ought to be this guy. You know, it's amazing to me is sometimes in a church, sometimes it's not the new convert that causes the most trouble. Sometimes it's some of us who know better. Sometimes it's some of us who ought to just keep our mouth shut rather than criticizing when somebody else is doing it a way that you don't think it ought to be done. Maybe we ought to just say, hey, we'll just follow the example of this woman. She was healed and she glorified God and we'll just glorify God with her. But this man ought to have known better. So, so why was he upset? Why did he get angry? Notice verse number 14. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, this man takes the floor and says, folks, I've got an announcement to make. There are six days in which men ought to work. Okay? So you got six days to work. And he says, in them, in those six days, therefore, come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. Now, first of all, think about how ludicrous this is. That guy had nothing to do with the healing. I'd love to have seen some people show up the next day and say, all right, we're here. Who's going to heal us? Well, um, about that. This man says, hey, why don't you come a different day? Why did you have to come on the Sabbath and do this? How crazy. Jesus answered him in verse 15 by calling him a hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor. A hypocrite is a pretender. And may God help us as 
people that are saved, people that know God, people that claim to love God, people that are trying to serve God, may God help us not to become pretenders. It's, it's easy to do. Because when you're a pretender, all you, all you worry about is what's on the outside. All you worry about is what people think. It's like an actor in a play. You may be in a, a play or you may be in a drama and you may take on the part. But as soon as that play is over, you could care less about that costume. You could care less about those lines. You could care less because that's not who you really are. And may God help us not to have a church with pretenders. May God help us not to have a church with hypocrites. May God help us not to be a church of actors, but may God help us to have a church of people that are real, that love God, and that are concerned about the souls of men, and that we are genuine in our motives. This man was called a hypocrite. You say, why was he so upset? What was the problem? I don't know exactly, but maybe it's possible that he was upset because he didn't get the attention. Have you ever known people like that? Something good happens, but they didn't get noticed, and so therefore that, uh, that negates everything good that happened because they didn't get the attention. Maybe it's because things were not cleared with him. Maybe it's because he was caught off guard. Maybe he was surprised. Maybe he didn't know Jesus was going to do that, so he didn't know what to say. Maybe it's because he wanted the credit. I don't know. But I want to ask you, what's your response? when something good happens in somebody's life? What's your response when God's work goes forward? I hope it's a response to say, you know, it doesn't really matter who gets the credit as long as God is the one that gets the glory. The Bible says in verse number 17, and when he had said these things all, this is now Jesus speaking, when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. Well, they should have been ashamed. They should have been ashamed to criticize Jesus healing this woman who'd been sick for 18 years. But I want to draw your attention to verse 17 where it says all his adversaries. Well, I wouldn't want to be in that group. I wouldn't want to be an adversary to Jesus. I wouldn't want to be fighting against Jesus. As a matter of fact, I want to be on his team. I want to be on his side. I want to say, Lord, sign me up. Wherever you're going, I'm there. Whatever you're doing, I'm there. Whatever you say, yes, Lord, yes. I don't want to be an adversary. But the adversaries were ashamed, and rightly so. Then it says this, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Tonight, I know we've had a, we're not, we're not through 2023. I understand that. I understand we're not even through August yet. But God's done some great things. There's been a lot of folks that have been saved. There's a lot of folks that have come to this church. A lot of folks have been baptized. A lot of, a lot of miracles that have happened uh, with giving and with properties and with buildings and with the school and the radio and our bus ministry and music ministry and teen ministry and decisions at teen camps and youth conferences. And I want to say this. Let's go on record tonight to say God has done some great things and we want to give Him all the glory. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.